welcome to the Irish Pagan School podcast. Your hosts are authors and co-founders of the Irish Pagan School here in County Waterford, Ireland, Laura O'Brien and John O'Sullivan. Falcha. Like the Yevogus Falcha. Hi, hello and welcome. It is John O'Sullivan from the Irish Pagan School and we are here with another weekly coffee chat, coffee talk. Um, and yeah, I, I felt like I needed to just I needed to go someplace that I was comfortable in regards to doing these videos because I had a little bit of um difficulty getting it done today. So we'll we we'll kick off as usual with our coffee. And the mug today from Neil Nodder, if you can't read it there, or if you're in the audios on a podcast, it says, I just want to sip coffee and read mythology. And that, as I have mentioned, is, is something that I always find myself going back to whenever things get a little bit fraught or frustrated or whenever things are outside of my control, but I'm still anxious about it. I kind of go back to where I'm comfortable, where I go back to certain basics, um, go back to things I can rely on. And for me, that is story. Speaking of things that you can rely on, um, as ever, do please pop down into the description and pick up our free resource guide. Um, it is a fantastic list of all of the good recommended resources that we give for Irish paganism, for pagan practice and spirituality, uh, curated and put together by the awesome Laura O'Brien, who absolutely 100% knows their shit. And it is there to try and help you answer some of those questions at, at the first stage or the first step. Um, but also, you know, maybe avoid falling into pitfalls of cost by buying books that, you know, are just not good resources. Um, so you can get that. You can pick that up free down there. All you got to do is join our mailing list and, you know, for the sake of your email address. But you get more than just the, the, the resource guide. You also get reminders of when we do these video release content. You get reminders of upcoming kind of stuff. You get inside behind the scenes emails from us from time to time, letting you know what it's actually like behind all of this and what's going on with us as individuals. And you also get those awesome invites to the second Saturdays, those monthly gatherings that we do online social hangout space and we we did that one recently enough just last last saturday as i'm recording this video now and it's just it's always fantastic it's really really great to you know just engage with community because laura and myself are part of community as well as much as we may be founders and um, so with that said i i said i'd go back to where i'm comfortable and where i'm comfortable is story i have always been reading stories almost as soon as i could actually read um, I was reading stories before I could read. My mother was reading me stories, uh, which was quite a fraught kind of challenge because the story I wanted her to read to me was The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, I was about five, maybe six. The words were very big and long and the print is very small. And my mom actually had struggles with it because, you know, given when she grew up, she didn't get to finish second level education because she had to leave education to support her family financially by working. Uh, and that was quite common in, in Dublin in those times. Um, but she did later go back and kind of pursue her own education for herself. But, you know, there was me, a kid, asking my mammy to read a book to me, unbeknownst to me, how she was struggling with the literacy of it all. And that is something that, you know, I haven't forget and I will never forget. Um, because not all of us engage in the same way. Not all of us kind of learn it in the same way. And so as much as I have written lots of stories, because um, that, that followed, you know, Logical progression, John loved reading stories. What followed soon after was John writing stories. I have a, a folder somewhere around the office here where I have my first, you know, 
fiction stories typed on a big mad electric typewriter one finger at a time you know big humming machine thing um but you know sentimental individual that i am i, I still have them but at least i won't say how many years later because that make make me feel old <laughs> but speaking of writing stories um once my spirituality began to kind of grow or my interest in okay i've always been a person a spiritual person and again i can thank my mother for that who believed in faith more than doctrine who believed in spirituality more than religion and so it's something that you know i always kind of carried with me and the willingness to explore it and to figure things out and you know i've read a couple of different versions of the bible i've been shown and read versions of you know other religious texts that i'm technically not supposed to have read because to me it's story and it's these stories that we all believe and stories that help drive our understanding and our perspectives of things and of course when we make the leap towards paganism and irish paganism you know, a huge chunk of our content, a huge, like, you know, large volumes of our information comes to us from story, from oral tradition that was then documented in the early medieval period by, like, you know, Christian monks. And so as much as people, I, I wrote a blog post on this recently, I'll probably link it down below. Um, as much as people might say, oh, it was written by Christian monks, so therefore it's obviously biased. They were also Irish monks, knowing that these stories were of cultural importance to them. And in many cases, you know, they they faithfully wrote, wrote out the stories, like painstakingly letting them onto these sheets of vellum. And then in order to kind of cover themselves with the abbot or whoever else might be reading it in the marginalia, in the side of it, they're like, yeah, but he wasn't really a god about the dagger. Or like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah the Morrigan, yeah, Lamia, which is like a, a Latin term for a demon. Um, so the story I have that I wanted to share with you today is actually a story I wrote myself. It's a story I wrote a long time ago because I was still trying to understand these these figures who have had come from Irish myth and then into the experiential life of me as a, a an Irish pagan. And so I was quite conflicted about how to process it, how to parse it. And so the only way I could, for me, kind of begin to rationalize and go things through is to write it as stories to explore the imagery i was coming across or the inspirations that were striking me in the function of story and so i have this story here i wrote this one comes from actually 2016 so this is quite a while ago um but we will dive in and i decide i'll read you a story here today this story is called the warrior's path he waited it was the hardest thing he ever had to do, but he would do it. Time and again, he would do it. For respect, for pride, for love. He waited. The next blow was a sweeping cross, and though her feet carried her far, the weariness of the fight was taking its toll. Catching her spinning form in the side, it drove the wind from her and sent her tumbling to the ground with a sound that could only be ribs breaking. With a warrior's reflex, she threw her weight with the impact and used the energy to roll herself clear of the follow-up strike, which buried the weapon in the dirt. Will you not help her? The question came from a warrior somewhere behind him. Whom it was, who questioned, did not matter. And he could not, would not, remove his eyes from her. 
Rolling up to her crouch, she spat her blood upon the soil and smiled a fierce and wild smile at her foe. The warrior paused, confusion on her face as the opponent saw her, unbe- saw her unbound by the pain she no doubt felt. Sweat streaked the fighter's face and his breath came heavy to catch as he recovered his weapon. In his hesitation, she struck. A lunge, a roll, and had her close pain fueling her rage and setting speed to her strikes. On the back foot, her opponent retreated. Will you do nothing? She might die. The doctor's eyes never left the combat as his rumbling voice replied. She has chosen her fight and she is capable of seeing it through. If this is the time of her death, she will meet it gladly as a friend, unbroken by the world's tests, resolute and dominant to her last breath. Do you not care for her pain and her hurt? The dagger's grip tightened to a white-knuckled fist about the shaft of his death's head club. Do not mistake my inaction for apathy. Should she fall this day, by my word, ruin will ride quick upon the heels of her last breath. Until then, she has chosen this fight. Its challenge and consequences are hers alone. The warrior staggered backwards under the flurry of the blade dancer's assault, doing well to block many of the killing strikes, yet taking many small injuries set to sap his strength. The Dagda had seen her do this many times, her skill turning the tide of any conflict, her stamina outlasting all but the most fit, her mind quicker than her blades. Blowing out a big breath, the chieftain relaxed his grip a little as the Morrigan asserted her dominance over today's fight. She walks a warrior's path. I will wait because I believe in her. The music of her blades escalated, ringing again and again on her opponent's defences. Unlike many a warrior's tale, it was not heated rage of the berserk that was upon her. Her mind was filled with cold fury and certain inevitability. Flickering back and forth, her thoughts captured, catalogued and categorised the details of the oncoming conflict. The shift of the soil beneath her toes, the sweat and the breath of her opponent, the scent of his blood upon the air and the taste of her own blood in her mouth. Truth, the pain was there. The blows had been hard and heavy, and no doubt significant damage had been done to her form. But what was pain when compared to one with a will such as hers? Most of all, she watched his eyes pouring out her will upon him. She was power. She was ruin. She was change. And she was patient. As his gaze locked to hers, she gave him a glimpse of the doom that awaited him, and, like so many before, the fear took hold. She saw it blossom in the depths of his soul, and as it began to pour its icy touch into his muscles, She struck. Like the strike of a serpent, she spat her own blood into his eyes. 
blinded her opponent, let out a bellow, and in the second that he staggered back, guard opening, she ended it. Pressing her body close like a lover's embrace, she drove both blades in under his shoulders and into his armpits. A hot fountain of red washed out over her hands as his life began to flow from him. She whispered into his ear of all of his life's failings. Fear turned to horror as her opponent's eyes, as he knew no songs would ever remember him and that his name would be lost to all of time. As his last breath rattled out, carrying his soul to oblivion, she stood and turned to meet the gaze of the only one who truly rivaled her, proudly displaying the threat of her blades and her arms covered in the faux blood. Their eyes locked and held, a gaze that spoke volumes that no one but they too could read. With the faintest of smiles, he nodded his respect to her. And that is my story called The Warrior's Path. Again, I exploring the lore of the information about the Morrigan. We don't know if she had blades. I don't I have no record of any information in the previous mythology about the the, the Morrigan using daggers or using blades. But for me, she, she seems like the kind of person who would always have a blade about her, always have some recourse, always have a weapon to hand if she were not the weapon herself. But we do have in the story the Morrigan having her arms covered in faux blood, which comes in the second battle of Moitura. In the run-up to that, she promises that she would steal the blood from Indek's kidneys, Indek being one of the invading kings of the Fomorians. And so later on, she said she'd take the valor from his kidneys is the actual wording of it. And then when everyone's kind of gathering for the, the opening battles of the second battle on the plains of Moitura, the Morgan just wanders in and she presents her two fistfuls of blood. And she's like, yep, good as a promise. <laughs> um, so it's very interesting to me to explore like the these telling moments within the mythology because we know for a fact that there is missing stories. We know for a fact that, you know, when we look at the the records of things like the Dinhianicus, um, which is the lore of names and places, it's, a, it's another section of our ancient mythology. It gives the name of features in the landscapes of the island, which still exist today and still bear those names in many cases. And it tells you the story about why they bear those names, who died there, who's buried there, what conflicts happened there, who it's named after. And in a lot of these kind of references, it does reference battles like Moitura. It does reference things like Tombo Kulia. It does reference all of these other very big saga parts of our mythology and how those things influence and still influence the naming of the land in which we live here in Ireland which is absolutely fascinating to me. Um, but there's also a lot of references which tell us that there are stories, but we don't have them anymore. I've mentioned one before, like, and it, it sticks in my head. There is another child of the Dagda known as Ethki. And Ethki is known as the Loathsome. And it was a spiteful story. The daughter of the Dagda. And that is all we have. 
we have one snippet, one sliver, and this one's in the Banhianicus, which is the lore and the lore of women is actually what it's called, the Banhianicus. And it men- makes mention specifically of Eski, daughter of the Dagda, the loathsome, known as the loathsome, and it was a spiteful story. But we don't know what the story was. And so we know that there's missing information. And I, I call myself a bard because I've always been a storyteller. It is one of my chief joys in life, and I absolutely adore doing it um, and exploring the, the the facets and the imagery of what can come to a story. And I, I very clearly say that I walk the, the very edges of fact and fiction. Uh, I walk the very edges of it, and I will clearly point out and say, here's where it is in the mythology. Here's the sources in the lore. Here's where it goes back to tomes like the Book of Kells, the Great Book of Lekin, you know, in the, in the segments, be it like the, the mythological cycle, the Ulster cycle, the Annals of Kings. Like, I'll try and point to those older resources wherever possible. But I also accept and acknowledge the fact that these were stories. They're stories were, you know, told for a reason, told to share the names, to educate people on it and to to provide the themes. So I will never kind of twist or shift or alter the characters in the stories just because I think it might be cool for the story. But I do feel in my heart of hearts and in all honesty, as a, a practicing Irish pagan who works specifically with the Dagda, he's not going to let me tell a wrong story about him. And there are many stories that I've started and couldn't finish. There's many tales and unfinished documents sitting in my laptop here, which, you know, I might be able to get back to. I might be able to find the truth inside it to get it to culmination and to get it to, you know, uh, an honest thing that can be shared. Um, But there has been times where I just have, I hit an absolute wall and it's not writer's block. Like I, yeah, there is. I, I'm trying to, you know, be a better writer, <laughs> and so writer's block is an excuse for not doing the work and not kind of turning up as a discipline of writing, which I'm learning and trying to live by. Um, but there's something else, and it has happened at times where I am stopped from saying something wrong. I'm stopped from typing out words just because I think the words might fit or might be cool. So with that, I do hope you have enjoyed my story there today. I do hope you're enjoying your coffee chats here with us at the Irish Pagan School. What I will say is do pop down into the descriptions, pick up the links to those resources. It is a great way to kind of make sure that you have your foundations and your footings beneath you. And, you know, maybe to answer some of those questions before it has to come for me to try and, you know, provide the resources again or to kind of dig it all out again. Um, and so that is something that we really kind of put a lot of effort into and there's a lot of value to be had from it. So from me here at the Irish Pagan School, I will say Gaurav Milimahaka, thank you very, very much. Look after yourself until on next till, until the next time. Long. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive review in your podcast listener. Then head over to irishpaganschool.com and enroll in one of our free or paid courses. Slongafall and we will see you next time.